This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. We've all seen the Western movie, and after the sheriff gets fired, you know, nothing good happens. We figured we ought to hire the sheriff. I was on my honeymoon, and Ken Grossman calls me on my honeymoon and says that I need to be part of this group. This week on the show, we tell the story of an elite group of brewers working behind the scenes to improve hop quality in the United States. This episode originally aired in June of 2017. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode that you won't want to miss. Welcome to the Master Brewers Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryce. Today, I'm joined by John Mallett of Bells and Tom Nielsen of Sierra Nevada. John and Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So we're here today to talk about an organization known as the Hop Quality Group. John, how about giving us some background on the Hop Quality Group? How did it get started and who was involved? Well, sure. Uh, So the Hop Quality Group really uh, arose out of mutual concerns of some fairly hop-focused brewers. And, uh, you know, interestingly, we were at the Master Brewers uh, Annual Convention. It was in Providence, Rhode Island back in, I think, 2010. And a group of us were just kind of sitting around standing there talking with talking with beers in our hands about sort of what was happening in the hop world and boy somebody ought to do something and there was an open room we all walked in and there were there were a few brewers involved i think it was well it was obviously sierra and bells were there uh russian river um odell boston beer new belgium new glarus firestone walker and you know the brewer you know brewers from each of these groups sort of said we we ought to do something and that's how the the uh the organization got its start very cool so what was the first project that the hop quality group took on well the first thing we wanted to do was to just kind of get word out to the uh growers and the merchants to talk about what our concerns were and our concerns were that you know at, at the time we had been uh unknowing beneficiaries of efforts of large brewers to be out there very directly interacting with the growers and merchants to talk about field sanitation, processing, uh, you know, just good practices. And with the changes that had occurred with uh, with, with the uh, 
change in ownership in Anheuser-Busch, uh, a lot of that team had been dismantled. And so, you know, we've all seen the Western movie and after the sheriff gets fired, you know, nothing good happens. We figured we ought to hire the sheriff. So the first step we did was we went out to Yakima in Oregon and went and visited the various groups and just so sort of said, here's our concerns. Uh, how do we best work together? Um, and so the, the group of brewers went out there and, and, and talked to everybody. Uh, you know, initially we were met with some skepticism. You know, what do you, what do you guys, you know, what are your concerns? They, maybe they thought we were there to try and talk about like a buying cooperative or something. And our intent always was, how do we assure that we're getting the best quality hops we can? Very cool. And I guess, is it, would it be safe to say that part of the, the group's mission is really to sort of inform growers as to what brewers do and don't want? Absolutely. And I think it was also to recognize with the growers and the merchants, the way that we as uh, you know, dry hopping brewers were using hops. You know, Traditionally, you think about hops being harvested from the field. Uh, they go into a kettle and they're boiled. And that's a little bit different than throwing them directly into a fermenter. There is no thermal treatment step uh, that we're providing there. And so we want to make sure that we're getting uh, you know, clean hops. We also are very concerned about uh, how do we make get the best aromas possible? So in the past, growers maybe were focused on achieving very high alpha values, and for us, we're not uh, the beers that we're brewing aren't really relying on how high alpha values. We're looking for excellence in aroma. I've been out to Yakima and I've seen the hop quality group signs on the farms there. A lot of those signs are geared toward GMPs or even have a HACCP-like message, as you sort of alluded to. Oftentimes, those signs are bilingual and they include statements such as, please remember hops are a food product. How much of the hop, qualities are, uh, hop quality group's objectives are related to food safety? And could you comment on how the Food Safety Modernization Act, uh, whether or not that's had much of an impact? I think it's had an impact because individual brewers, you know, as we look through our supply chain and think about, you know, GMP and uh, supply chain, uh, you know, how do we address this? And, and part of that, you know, the expectation of all of our customers is that, hey, the brewer, the knowledgeable brewer is managing this. So if we are not actively out there doing that, then in many ways, we're not doing our jobs. Um, you know, obviously, there's, you know, with the increased uh, interest in, you know, FISMA and GMPs, you know, this all reinforces the same message that we've been kind of at all along. Uh, I can't imagine that uh, hops that were unclean are hops that would I, I would want in my beer. And I think it just like in a brewery, if you see a brewery that's messy, you know, that you know, it makes me question the quality of the beer. Uh, you know, I want to make sure that I that I work in a clean brewery that makes great beer, and I think that's aligned with the farming practices as well. Another important piece uh, to to our early efforts was um, definitely FISMA related and uh, tra traceability was important. Some of our members were getting hops that uh, weren't very well labeled. Uh, they didn't have a crop year included uh, or a lot number, just, just basically variety. And um, part of our early message was definitely had a big uh, traceability component to it. Very good. Tom, during the 2013 Master Brewers Conference, you presented some important work on behalf of the Hop Quality Group. Your presentation was titled, The Effect of Kilning Air Temperature on Hop Essential Oil Content and Aroma. Could you give listeners the lowdown on that project? What exactly was studied and what did you find? We studied the impact of air temperature as well as the kiln bed depth 
and the, the fan speed or the air speed going through that bed depth. So it was actually a three variable analysis. Uh, we, we looked at high temperatures versus low temperatures, crossed that to high bed depths and low and short bed depths, and then crossed it again to um, very, very fast air temperature, uh, air speeds and low air speeds. Uh, and we did that with three different uh, hop varieties, Cascade, Simcoe, and Citra. Um, multi-year study, well, we learned a lot. Uh, we, we certainly learned uh, certain things about crop variability year to year, but we also learned that a lot of growers were not drying their hops optimally. Um, so it was a three by three factorial design. You know, you had those three variables at two different, um, two different parameters. And uh, we, we, we learned a lot. I mean, we've certainly learned that fast air speeds were very good since uh, putting that information out there. We've seen growers upgrade their, their fans to, to get the air speeds up a little bit higher. We've seen growers decrease their killing temperatures to 130 Fahrenheit or below 125 in some cases. And uh, well, we haven't seen too much activity in, in decreasing bed depths, but that's another variable. Certainly throughput becomes a component of this conversation. A lot of growers are at capacity and they can't really add a lot of time to their, their killing cycles, but some certainly could. And since 2013 through 2012, there's been a lot of new construction and people have certainly taken uh, the information pr produced in this study in, in designing their new new systems. So um, some of the some of the big things we've learned uh, our our system in the U.S. is a single bed uh, drying system, and uh, the bottom third of that of that hot bed is is typically over dried, and the top third is typically under dried. And these hops get mixed, homogenized, the moisture equilibrates. But still, you've, you've damaged the bottom hops quite a bit, which a lot of growers try to rectify by reintroducing moisture to the kilns. It really, really is a Band-Aid. Uh, those, those aromas, those flavors are gone at that point in time. So we did have a lot of impact. Since that study came out, all the big merchants in Yakima have also called in the world's experts, the Germans, uh, the people who design kilns, uh, to give kind of uh, big town hall educational uh, seminars to all the growers. So that, that, that topic of conversation is, is really front and center to, to most all the growers, all the, all the you know, growers interested in, in growing hops for craft. Coming up, the Hop Quality Group's role in public hop breeding, and more. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by... ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. 
Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by... Bring the world to your brew house with BSG's diverse selection of ingredients and services. Our dedicated customer service team and industry experience provides you with the assistance you need every step of the way. Make BSG your supplier of choice with products essential to making great artisanal beverages so you can stay focused on your craft. Visit us at bsgcraftbrewing.com or contact us at 1-800-374-2739. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. We're only a week away from the 2019 Master Brewers Conference. If you're joining us in Calgary, visit masterbrewerspodcast.com where you can find the full schedule for Master Brewers Live, an exciting new part of the conference. I hope to see you there. Immediately following the conference is the world-famous Master Brewers two-week brewing and malting science course in Madison, Wisconsin. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. back to the show. Could you elaborate a little bit on the differences you observed uh, between the hops kilned at 130 versus 150, um, I guess in terms of sensory as well as the the analytics? Well, we certainly uh, noticed a drop-off in oil content for hops dried at higher temperatures, especially with larger bed depths and slower fan speeds. So that was one drastic end of that, that, uh, that design, uh, the spectrum of the, that design. Um, Citra, for instance, if I remember correctly, the hop coming in had about 4.5% oil. Uh, the hops coming out of the kiln at those at the high temperature variables had about half of a percent less oil than at the at the lower temperature variables uh, so it was it was pretty significant Re- recently boston beer did some brewing trials with these hops uh, i think it was the simcoe experiment we did the follow-up year and uh, didn't really see too much difference however this test was conducted in the kettle uh, they weren't uh, dry hop tests Tom, tell us what else needs to happen to get to that point where hops are never overdried. How much more infrastructure needs to be overhauled to make that a reality? Well, I think a lot of the investment has already happened. A lot of the U.S. growers have purchased, well, not a lot, maybe a handful, five or six, have purchased the German-style kiln, which is a three-level kiln that turns the hops over um, at each step of drying. That system also relies on rehydrating the hops at the end. So it really, what I think needs to happen is, uh, yeah, the U.S. industry needs to slowly adopt the, the German drying system, the three 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 bed system that turns over in each phase, but also uh, not over dry the hops in that step and, and rely on rehydrating the hops post kilning. 
So I think we need to kind of adopt uh, the best of the German system to the to some new concepts that, that we're putting in place uh, to really create the, the best hops out there. Okay. Uh, John, uh, to what extent do you think the these Pacific Northwest hop growers have received that message? What what percentage of them understand just how big of an impact um, that, that kiln temperature and airflow has on the quality of the hops they produce? Um, or is there, a, is there a lot more work to do to get Pacific Northwest growers on the same page to produce the best possible hops? Well, I think that the Pacific Northwest brewers, you know, I, I don't think I could lump them into one basket and, and speak about them, you know, as, as, a, as a single entity, just like we couldn't do that with brewers. Um, I think like brewers, you know, there are uh, companies that are very focused on you know, t- attempting to drive the, uh, their, their practices to the best possible place. And that's very much the case with the growers as well. Um, some of the things that we have done that I think speak to this is that, you know, we're certainly out there. Uh, talking about what our priorities are, what some of the results we're seeing. And I think that's even reflected in selection. So when these brewers are out there making hop selection, that the growers who are doing stuff right, um, you know, that their hops are being selected more. So, you know, it really relies a lot of this on the the power of the marketplace. Uh, A second way that we've tried to do this is that we have – every year we we go, there's a group of us that will go to the uh, hop growers annual convention and at that convention we've instituted a contest which we call the cascade cup and the cascade cup is a judged trophy that and uh the judging is who is growing the best uh, quality cascades so we ask that the growers send in their best cuts uh to us when we judge them a group of brewers get together assess the hops like they would assess them uh during selection and one of them is you know crown the, the you know with the cascade cup each year and i think this has been uh very well received by the growers they're interested in you know their competitive lot like brewers they're interested in uh winning and they're interested in best practices so it's almost like uh uh you know sort of takes a, a, a page out of the great american beer festival or similar judged beer competitions very cool um, Tom started to get in. He started to talk about some of the, you know, um, methods of the European growers. I was going to ask if 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 they had a better understanding of the impact of these kilning parameters. Um, but I'm also curious if you guys think it's less of an issue there, since uh, oftentimes the farms are a lot smaller and the, the processing operations are smaller in Europe. Uh, could you comment on that? And also, has the Hop Quality Group done any work in Europe? Yeah, so the Hop Quality Group as an organization has not done work directly in Europe, but I know, you know, certainly, Tom, you've been over to, to Germany. I've been over to Germany visiting hop farms. Uh, Boston Beer, of course, is very active over in Germany. And we're really carrying the same message uh, as individual brewers as the Hop Quality Group does. So when you go over there and you make a farm visit, you know, take a look at the sanitation practices, I think it's very important to uh to inform the growers that, you know, how we're using the hops, these hops are going in as dry hops and, and they are used differently in terms of why the Germans are doing it uh, differently. Uh, if you look at the cost structure of making uh, a hop harvest uh, in the United States, the biggest cost is labor. And in Germany, the largest cost is energy. The systems that the Germans are using are actually more energy efficient. And that's, what's driven a lot of it. I do think it is uh, a superior system in terms of having ultimate control over the hop coming out. 
Uh, to add on to the to the German uh, hop question, uh, you know they're they're really known for noble varieties that uh, they they typically don't refrigerate post harvest. Uh, last year I did a talk at the at a German hop convention where my number one thing and I put my hop quality group hat on during this this talk and had a nice audience of of European uh, hop industry people uh, was. As they're developing new flavor varieties, as I think the Germans have really popularized uh, or coined the term flavor hop more so than the Americans. But as they come out with things like Ariana and Mandarina Bavaria, they can't treat these hops like a Herzbrucker or a Tetanang and let them sit um, unrefrigerated after harvest for you know a number of days or weeks. Uh, I, I really made the point very strongly that these hops need to be refrigerated. Uh, very quickly to preserve their their flavor properties and and for people to make flavorful IPAs with them. So that was that you know as 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 we're learning more about hops as as the industry develops and becomes more mature and as people try to play in in new uh, new areas or to innovate uh, they, they you know we're definitely putting out the message that that flavor is number one. Uh, and and what you guys need to do, not only in the kiln, but in storage, and for for many brewers or for the vast majority of brewers in pelletization, uh, what you need to do to preserve those those flavors. Okay, I was wondering if you guys could comment on sort of uh, what the hop quality group is currently working on. Do you have any projects that are the the current priority? Sure. Um, you know, one of the things that we do every year is that we're interested in getting out there and interfacing directly with the growers to talk about, you know, harvest best practices. Um, and included among them is, you know, just go and visit the, 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 the ranches and you know, recognize the good work and the you know, considerable capital that these uh, growers are putting in. Um, so that's something that we're doing. One of the areas of interest for us is what we call non-traditional growing areas. So at this point, you know, for example, Michigan, uh, where I am, uh, you know, has a nascent hop industry that's actually quite appreciable in size. We're in Michigan, the growers there are about to surpass the production of New Zealand, you know, which is, uh, you know, certainly something. Uh, as these new growers are coming on, we want to be there to support them and, and helping them to make the choices that are going to allow them to be successful at selling hops uh, into craft. I know the growth and membership of the Hop Quality Group has enabled the organization to make some important financial contributions. Could you comment on that growth and, and some of those contributions? The Hop Quality Group at this point has, I believe, 27 brewery members. And the structure of it is that we basically all participate in uh, grower visits. Participation is very important. And we also have a due structure. And that due structure, the monies for that go to a number of different projects. It could be printing signs, or it could be something like uh, a, the hop breeding. When I think, Tom, do you want to do you want to talk about hop breeding for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. So as we've grown from from thirteen members to twenty seven members, we've really increased our, our kind of our pool of funds to play with. And one of the the things that was being neglected uh, was public breeding in the U.S., uh, particularly the the Kind of you know, seventy-year-old uh, hop public hop breeding uh, component of OSU and the USDA, and uh, 
couple of years ago, we decided that this was really the best place to, to, to put our money into and uh, help revive the public breeding program at Oregon State University, um, which is actually uh, organized and, and led by the USDA hop breeder, John Henning. Uh, so, you know, we, we've been making crosses every year, really uh, putting together some interesting material and, and hope to reap the benefits uh, with some interesting new hop varieties here in the next couple of years. And of course, these are public hops, just open for anybody to grow. John, so I know um, Hop Growers of America is uh, the the main organization uh, that represents the various hop growers in the Pacific Northwest and really of, across the entire U.S. now. Um, I'm curious if you could comment on kind of some of the work they've done and, and what that relationship is like with the Hop Quality Group and the HGA. Yeah, I think the HGA is a you know, great organization. Uh, and George has really been a driving force there. And one of the uh, items that they've been working on is harmonization of best practices. And I think she's done a tremendous uh, service for the entire industry by developing a broad consortium, which includes, uh, you know, like the, you know, certainly representatives from the Hub Quality Group have been in there talking about, you know, what's important and to be able to drive to a single set of standards uh, that growers can reach and communicate to brewers. I think it would be very difficult as a brewer for me to attempt to establish a set of standards uh, that maybe are different than those of Sierra Nevada or of New Belgium or whoever else, and for the growers to try and meet them. So I think this harmonization effort that they've done really provides a huge service to the to the industry. Uh, we, we love working with them. All right. Well, John, Tom, thanks for taking the time to chat about the Hop Quality Group with us today. I really look forward to seeing what's next. Take care, and I hope you guys uh, both have a great day. Thank you for having us. Thanks, John. If you enjoyed today's interview with John and Tom, be sure to check out the Air Temperature Drying Study presented during the 2013 Master Brewers Conference. Conference proceedings are available for purchase in the Master Brewers Bookstore, or you can find the abstract by typing Hop Quality Group into the industry's best search bar at mbaa.com. 130 years ago, Master Brewers was built on the concept of brewers helping each other out so we could all make the best possible beer. That's still true to this day, and it's where a lot of the camaraderie in this industry originated. Master Brewers' award-winning Ask the Brewmasters is the best place to go for troubleshooting, where you'll find the industry's only discussion forum that's moderated for technical accuracy by a team of experts. See what everyone else is talking about at community.mbaa.com. Check out the brand new Master Brewers podcast website. You'll find guest profiles, information about upcoming live events, and more, all at masterbrewerspodcast.com. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Malt, and BSG. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.